0: The views and opinions expressed by guests on Connected do not necessarily reflect those of Side Street Studio Arts. Episodes may contain adult language. Mm.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Connected, I'm Alex Sharp with Side Street Studio Arts and I'm here with artist Sarah Peak Convery um, to talk about her work here at Side Street, her show called Uncovered, Would You Touch Me, which is part of our Going Dutch festival here at Side Street. Um, so before we begin with the interview, Sarah, if you just want to give a little background of yourself as an artist, um, as well as the medium that you work in.
0: Okay. Um, I, I moved. I moved to Chicago in 1990. I shortly after that I started graduate school, and then then I took a big hiatus from art, art. <laughs> <laughs> until um, boy, approaching my 40th birthday, and decided to get back into it. I started painting again. Um, the, the more, and I just kind of worked in a lot. Of, I've I've I made a film actually about my about my parents' marriage, which is called I Never Said I Wasn't Happy, which I released in like 2013. So that was kind of like one project, but then I sort of moved away from that because I realized that making art pieces was a lot easier than making films <laughs> in, some, in some ways. Um, since like 2014, I've, I've been pretty active and making work and showing work. And I think actually 2000, 2014, 2015, I think I actually took part in a show at Side Street before, you know, when I was my first exposure to Elgin, I think so. um, The work in this show is an extension of project I started in 2017, 2018, because I had cancer. So as in the piece behind you, i after I finished chemotherapy i had I asked a friend who I knew from graduate school because we were in photography, and I asked her to document me like basically do some very set up portraits of me, you know without my hair, of course, and also my mother so there's other images in there because my mother had come to stay with me. My mother had gone through a different kind of cancer you know twelve years before that um trying to think what to say I once I once I the cancer work obviously is very personal but I found it to be even though it's obviously about a personal experience I actually have found that to be something that more people could sort of relate to than some maybe the other personal work I did so but but since that time right before right before that because in 2017 when i was diagnosed with cancer i was doing i started doing a lot of flag work and that would actually if anybody comes out just (laughs) they will know about the the large piece which is attached to the wall on the outside which isn't isn't a flag but yet i think has some flag-like references where i was using fabric a lot and um messages i initially it was just fabric design and then redesigning flags and then it was incorporating words as as the wall does so i've been kind of doing these two things sort of at the same time or alternately which is kind of makes sense to me but i can also see how it's kind of confusing sometimes because people like okay they've seen this political work and then they see the cancer work And since I started this in 2017, I was trying to figure out how to, so I've, I've continued to use this, the motif of the big bald head and trying to figure out how to expand that or how I could do it in different ways, but also trying to figure out ways to make it more portable. Because as the piece behind you is about 12 feet, you know, 10 to 12 feet long and four feet tall, and it's stiff and heavy and, you know, it's not easily moved. I mean it it's, it would be harder to ship, not impossible but just as opposed to the blankets which I think it was back earlier this it was back in January. I um decided I wanted to try to do something that would be more easily portable because there was a potential show that came up and it, it didn't happen but it was going to be in Florida. So it was like okay, what what can I do that would be easy to easily portable and still carry that large impact? but i've yeah so i've just been kind of going back and forth between those two things so i i i used to i used to think of myself as a painter but i haven't really done much painting so much in recent years um i mean i guess at the beginning of the pandemic i did some and then during the pandemic i did a bunch of plein air but um I think if you had some more directed questions, yeah. I don't know if I answer, I don't know if I'm <laughs> answering things in any useful No, no, way.
1: that was great. Um, kind of similar going off of that, um, you work in a variety of different medias, so photography, film, paint, fabric. Um, what was the kind of, were you interested in art young and you started with one medium, worked your way to the other? I know you said you took kind of a hiatus for a little bit, came back to work with different medias, but kind of what was your progression in in these
0: types of medias? I, you know, I don't think I th- thought about art so much until I was in high school. I mean, I, as, a, as a young, I mean, as a child even, I, I, um, I used my mother's sewing machine. Like I, I would make things, I would sew things. Like actually when, um, I'm trying to think what to call it. It would be like kind of a, like an applique thing. So I, I had actually done some applique things that like, you know, I was in high school or even younger, I'd made some of these things and it was actually, and I kept them because I have a family. I'm in a family where you don't ever throw anything away. I actually <laughs> incorporated some of those pieces that I had done in, you know, like I was in my teens. And I actually used some of those pieces in a in a in a piece that I made actually in 2016 that was the kind of related to the to the uh, to the election actually.
2: <laughs> so so
0: I would say fabric was really the first thing I ever worked with, but I didn't think of myself as an artist per se. I got into high school and then I got a little more like, oh, okay. Some point in high school, I sort of decided, yeah, I, th- I think that's what I want to do. There wasn't, I can't say there was any real clear like material progression. I mean, there was influences. Like I had an art teacher who's one of the few people in my hometown. and still, well, actually she doesn't live there anymore, but anyway, she was one of the few people from my growing up times that I still have in contact with. And she was always very encouraging, even though I was a rather desultory student, I think. <laughs> My senior year of high school, I actually was an exchange student to New Zealand, and I got more interested in art there. There was a teacher there who was very passionate. I guess I would just have to say he was very passionate about art. <laughs> and so when I came back, I decided to, yeah, I decided that I, that I wanted to study art, went, you know, went through four years of school. Spent one year as an exchange, I mean, excuse me, at one point I I transferred from the University of Iowa to Rhode Island School of Design, which was very, you know, I learned a lot, but it was also sort of personally disastrous. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I had lived on the other side of the world, somehow going from the Midwest to the East Coast was in some way even a further
1: culture shock. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And I kind of realized that wasn't where I felt comfortable that that I realized at that point, how much, whatever I was doing had to very much to do with something about home.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something
0: about home or, 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 you know, even though I, you know, like, I guess it takes you all to figure these things out. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, my mother still lives in Iowa. So it's, you know, I'm still in proximity to home, but I don't, I don't have to be at home, but I, yeah, the Midwest is certainly much more comfortable to me. It's hard for me to imagine living in place else. So then I went, you know, I anyway finished undergrad and I was like, okay, so what do I do with myself? I don't know. And I got very kind of wrapped up in trying to figure out how to, how to make a living. And I couldn't ever in my mind really put together how you would make a living for art. I have to say, I still have trouble with that one. I know that there's are much. And I think it had to do with it coming, in part coming from an environment where nobody was an artist and you just don't, it was, there was a lot of fear around financial security. So you don't take that kind of a risk, even though I had taken the risk of, you know, studying art. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Moved to Chicago and then I immediately got myself into a graduate program because I wasn't sure what else to do. So, okay. I worked on that, but by the end of that, and I know from other, you know, I mean, I know people have a variety of experiences with graduate school. I think some people, it's a wonderful experience. I think a lot of people find it not so wonderful because you <laughs> sort of have this idea that somehow you're going to find your mentor, which I think is, if you're lucky, you find a mentor. I mean, I think some people have a wonderful experience, as I said, I think a whole lot probably more people than don't have kind of a more challenging experience with it, Mm -hmm. So I think by the time I was done with that, I was like, okay, I'm just stepping away from this for a while. So it was really much later that I decided to, oh, I know not know. it was actually after my dad died. My dad died in 2005. And somehow then that freed me in a way. It also made me confront all the paintings and things that were in my parents' attic because my mother was going to move. So, um, (laughs) So I get to look at all this stuff again and go, oh, well, I like this, you know? So what do I do now? So that was around 2005, 2006. But, you know, it was it was probably still another seven. You know. I started taking art classes again, just to have a place to paint. Eventually, I just kind of kept just making more things. And now I'm at a point where I've just made too many things and I need to figure out places to put them. But- <laughs> Yeah, I continue to make things. So yeah.
1: um, I think that's a good spot to be in. <laughs> Too many things.
0: <laughs> so that's, I guess that's the progression. And so so now I find myself at age 55 trying to decide what to do next.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you had mentioned um, the movie, the film that you did um, about your parents' marriage, Never Say I Wasn't Happy. Also, you did a mixed media installation called Being at Home, and then here in this show, uncovered, you have a lot of photos of your mom and you and your mom. Um, so what was this decision to work a lot around family? You mentioned you kind of want the central like theme of home in your work, it's more personal to you. And what was that experience like working with family?
0: Well. My my mother was always um, my mother was always pretty much a willing participant. Um, I mean, for for the film, I never said I wasn't happy. I mean, I, I did a series of like I did audio tape, and i like you know you probably don't even know what audio tape is anyway. Like audio tape interviews, <laughs> so you know, and the where you're like dealing with a battery operated thing, which the, it starts to slow down because of the batteries. <laughs> So I had interviews I had done like in the, in nineties, you know, or earlier. I think so intermittently over like twenty years or so before I finished that film, I had done these things, and I, and it really was, it really was trying to understand my the dynamic of my parents' marriage. Now I, I guess perhaps I was just a little more focused on that than some people are. I I think probably most people aren't that focused on their trying to understand the interaction with their parents. But it was, I think for some people that comes later, like maybe later in their life, they wonder about that. Or maybe they don't, or by, or by the time they wonder about it, their parents are too out of it to, to even be able to talk about it. But it was a strong, you know, obs- I guess I could almost call it an obsession. I just had a hard time understanding why, my, my parent, my father was not physically abusive or anything like that, but it was also not, it was not an equal relationship. It was, I didn't, I mean, I've, I've realized in recent years that I had no model for, I had no model for a partnership, actually. Like, like people who are actually even, I, I, I mean, I, occasionally I start to see that now, but I couldn't, in my growing up years, I couldn't see that. And that certainly impacted you know, how I related to the world and how my own marriage is operated, you know. And so I think that was kind of the inner focus. So there were other family members, there were some family members who were more cooperative with that than others. My mom was generally cooperating and people, you know, after they finished the film, they would ask her, well, so, you know, why did you agree to this? And she said, because somebody wanted to listen to what I had to say, (laughs) which... You know, I was not her experience in her marriage at all. Um, so I think it's so she kind of had. I think after there was kind of almost a, a light a lightness with her that happened after my father was no longer around. So that was, and it, you know, I mean, the same thing. I guess the same thing happened with me once he was gone. I, I allowed me. I no longer felt this kind of okay. You have to not you have to be doing something. You have to be involved in some kind of work that I understand, meaning that he would understand. And that, no, that was never the case when he was. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, that's, I guess that's where my family, you know, I get, I guess there are people who manage who are much more detached from their family. And I just, it was not, And still, I guess, I still, I guess I'm not because uh, my sister, my sister lives here in Chicago and me, but yeah, so, but it was really, I think the first time in my life that I really did anything that was more like that was out, you know, not so much personal really was after, was, was after the 2016 election.
1: (laughs) Um. Yeah, and your mom, you said your mom was, like, a willing participant in, in your work. Mm-hmm. Um, so how was it working with her for this show, Uncovered, and the vulnerability that came with it?
0: Well, see, the thing is, all, all these photos were taken in 2017. So she she already kind of, you know... I mean, the, the thing about her... her um, yeah, being showing her chest and stuff. Mm-hmm. She had not... It, it, until we went, until I went through cancer, she'd gone through cancer and said I, cancer. and still until after she and I had basically gone, lived through this together with me, not just her, but me. I think at that point she then felt like it was okay to do that, but she would, she would not be somebody who would normally have done that. <laughs> and, you know, she wasn't okay. I can't, I can't say she was like, you know,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because i i had photographed her at other times but it was more her back or in her face or something but just not her chest but it was i think it was just after because i think because she realized i had gone through the cancer experience also she i felt like i had a I felt like i had a much better understanding what i mean i not the same because i didn't have that i didn't have that kind of cancer but and i didn't have that kind of Scarring, and you know, I just dismemberment, whatever you want to call it, but um yeah i think I think at that point she felt like that was she agreed to it, so you know, so she knew so she knew those pictures were taken, and I was like, okay, so how do you you know i i haven't I haven't brought any of those there's an art there's a small art center in my hometown, but I don't believe any of those photos have ever been on the wall there but certainly, you know, things have been on Facebook, you know, she, she knows <laughs> so th- there are definitely people in the community who have seen those images of her. So she knows that, but it's, you know, that's, that's not quite the same as walking into this place. And she's also not on Facebook. So that's not, <laughs> yeah, I'm, a- I'm actually going to, at the end of the show, I'm actually, she's going to be in town. So I'm actually going to bring her to come see the show and we'll just
1: Oh, that's great. So, so
0: she hasn't she hasn't actually seen this particular
1: yeah yeah.
0: Iteration.
1: <laughs> that's good. That's great. Um, kind of almost like an opposite question than the one I just asked. So, other than your mother, you are the primary focus in most of the works in this show. Um yeah. to, to clarify, um, you said that a, a friend had taken the portraits of you, or did you set up the portraits? So,
0: so what what it was is I a year before that i mean before i knew i had cancer august of 2016 i had gone, i had gone home as i did on a regular basis anyway with my camera digital camera and i had i had set up doing some portraits with with my mother like you know, on a tripod mm-hmm. and in one of the images i think it's actually the one that would be just to the west of you on the wall behind you Mm-hmm. There, there's there's a before and an after there's like the white background and the dark background. so that one I what I don't remember is whether it was on timer or whether I actually had my aunt was there also and ask her to like you know hit the shutter or something
2: yeah
0: like that but it was um it was I you know one of the one or the other so it was in both situations I had set up what the scenario was I had set up okay this this is what I want this to be, I want you know. So with, with my with my friend who came in, she. I don't believe she used a tripod. She might have used a tripod, but she was she was she was there to make sure everything was in focus and we were more or less framed. And so she she agreed to do that. So I I feel like it's she she was the technician. She mm-hmm. you know, she hit them. You know, and of course she you know chose the times when. Mm-hmm. multiple shots and stuff, but it was I felt like it was more my my concept so but she definitely I wouldn't have been able to do that without without some assistance for
2: sure.
1: And um, so she spoke a little bit about the process of photography like photographing yourself Um and how like how did you go about that creatively in trying to think of yourself as the subject and. Um, and kind of, how do you feel about, you know, these works are huge. Like you said, the one behind me is 12 feet long. Um, yep. so seeing yourself kind of blown up in, in a very, you know, big portraits.
2: hmm
0: Well, when I, when I first, you know, after Jody was the friend who, who was the photographer, um, I, after she shot the images for me, I, my first experiment was to see it was with a 35 millimeter or the equivalent of i mean it was a digital camera but the equivalent of a 35 millimeter so i was like okay how i don't know how big i can actually blow these images up so i started by tiling them you know like by using like a regular printer you know like my regular printer which would take 13 by you know 13 by 19 paper and like okay how big can i make this and it would be over like four you know four or five or six pieces or something and then put that up it's like okay does this still, does it still hold up enough? I mean, not that it has to be absolutely pristine, perfect, but it was like, does this image hold up enough? Because I really wanted, I wanted that to be, I kind of wanted it to be kind of overwhelming. This, this large, larger than life size. And the idea I initially had had was to, in the, in this, for example, in the one behind you, and then there's one on the other wall, there's the idea originally had been that I might, that I would paint on these, that I have because these are drop basically these are drop claws that's latex paint mm-hmm. and I, my original thought had been to paint on them but I wasn't 100% sure if I wanted to do that or not and then I started playing with photoshop like I'd taken a photo of the backdrop and then you know adding these other photos laying them in there and stuff and I was like sharing them on facebook as because that that's one of the things I have done I haven't done it as much recently but I'll when I'm working on something, I would post it, i like, you know, ask for feedback or something. And, you know, so there, there was a lot of positive response to those images. So I decided to try actually just getting printed canvases, which were smaller. They're not obviously that size, <laughs> that size. they were you know, like, oh, like, you know, 18 by 80, by 48 or something like that. Not, not massive, but, you know, still not that, you know, not small. And then I really decided I wanted to try to take those larger. And I, when I did that, then it was a matter of okay, how do you affix this? If you can't print this, and I realized expense, you know, expense wise, I didn't want to try to print something or have it commercially printed that size. So that's when I found a company that would that I could get the very the very images printed. Like for example, that's that's like on a vellum, perhaps. I mean vellum I did it on Tyvek I did a couple other things and then in the process for example of this one when I was applying it you can see how it kind of gets all sort of smeared and it gets this other kind of weird almost it looks like stone or something and that was really that was a happy accident because I didn't know what it was going to do so basically because because of the way the pigment moved as I was applying it it just sort of moved it around so it became more painterly. It wasn't like, okay, here's this pristine thing. And I realized, I mean, so in none of, in none of these pieces, I did about four of them, I think, with the f- three or four. In that in either, in none of the cases was it perfect. You know, was the was the adhesion perfect or anything. But I felt like the the you know the wrinkles, the smears, the thing had had a lot more to do with just the imperfection of the whole experience. So it was that made it much more it's much more tactile much more human human to me in a way more like a here's this visceral experience so a lot of those were you know weren't necessarily planned but it was how it worked worked in my favor I felt yeah because yeah, I wasn't I'm not really about pristine
2: mm-hmm.
0: things I've never been that I'm very loose when I when I do paint I'm pretty loose and stuff so it's
1: but you're right. It creates it. It makes it more human and not just mm-hmm. just perfect photo. You know, it's
0: right, right. And I cause, and I realized that that wasn't. I mean, the th- the thing about the the printed canvases, it's more. You know, the figures are more. You know, precise.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or like as they're photographed, they look you know, very photographic. But um. But I like the feel of these a lot more. The bigger ones, and just. Mm-hmm
1: going off of that um a lot of your works like you you described are on canvas with paint um uh fleece you mentioned the fleece blankets um about being like a little bit more portable um which those are
0: and and those are printed I mean those are and (laughs) and the fact I think basically because of the surface of the blanket is not you know is not perfect (laughs) or totally smooth that makes a huge difference because I had and the whole, actually, the, the, the impetus for doing the blankets at all was back in 2017, at the end of my, can, after my cancer experience, there was a show called Blanket Statements. Somebody, I can't remember who put it together. And it was basically, you submitted an image and they would print it on a blanket. So, I, <laughs> so one of the blankets on the north wall is from that. And in the, I guess it was in January, I pulled out, I was pulling out old stuff and I was like, oh, oh, there's an idea. So and that was printed on this more fleecy kind of whatever veloury kind of thing. And I ordered some more blankets without realizing the difference in what the surface was. I had some others and it was kind of just a plain flat surface, but again, it's the same issue with, you know, the difference between having the must-up or, you know, potential for, potential for movement or texture. There's just, the texture makes all the difference I felt. So I went back and, and just, had them all printed those different images were all printed on on that velour which is which you can disrupt and that was one of the things i also wanted to encourage <laughs> i wanted to encourage people to touch them and it's okay i know you're not usually supposed to touch work but with those i i do think it's fine if people do that
1: yeah yeah I probably
0: was... i probably should have <laughs> uh, i don't know how else i would have said like please touch me
2: you know like that
1: Yeah, that's interesting because that's what Rita said too about her pieces downstairs. She was like, she's like, you can touch them, it's okay. (laughs) Like, yeah, because that's a thing with art is everybody always wants to touch it, but they're kind of like told, you know, we grow up knowing like, don't touch it. You Mm -hmm. know, you're at museums and you go to touch something and it beeps. So we never think about that. Um, But yeah, I loved, I've never seen, obviously I've seen images printed on blankets before, but never used in like a show like this. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, everybody's done this, with the blanket where they run their hand across it and it changes the texture and the color of the blanket. So using that texture for your, um, photographs were just, I've never seen that was extremely like unique as well as, um, some of your other pieces that you had, um, plastered, like for the print on drywall, Mm because you look at it from afar and it looks like a normal painting. Um, but then you, uh, you get close to it and you see that it is plastered on there. It creates like this little bit of texture and a little bit of depth. Um, so that was really interesting. And I know you said that like the texture was kind of a big, um, thing for you because you didn't want it to look perfect. Does it? Yeah. Um, so my next question was, um, walking to the show, you feel it, a sense of vulnerability um but also a lot of strength and I think that comes from the vulnerability and also the size of the pieces um so the title uncovered it makes a lot of sense in in the subject of your show um but can you talk and explain a little bit about the other part of the title which is would you touch me and how that relates to the works
0: oh okay yeah so the wood, yeah. As I, as the more I, the more I've thought about that. It is, it has various meanings that I don't know that I was thinking about so much. When I, when I um, back in Febu- back in in February was the first show I I attempted though it didn't for various and sundry reasons with the venue. <laughs> Basically, it had to be taken down because there was issues about it. But the the curious thing to me about that was it was just, it was just three of the blankets. And one of them was the one of my mother's chest, the front, not the back, which of course, if you, if you just look at it, it isn't even clear that it's a front. I mean, mean, if, if if you just look at that image, it's, it's not even really clear that this is where breasts were or something, it's these scars, but it's just any case. So that, that blanket was laying out and I was about to hang it up. And so somebody at this other venue was like, Kind of freaked out about it, so it seemed like there was this. I think, and I think especially with images of older women, you know, with not you know with not perfect bodies. My mother has lots and lots of moles and things, and I I know I will have even more as I get older. <laughs> but um, I think there's this kind of, especially with older women's bodies. I think there's this kind of repulsion thing that happens, and I and I thought it was so strange that her her. The person who was basically telling me we, sh- we sh- can't hang these is like, oh, this is going to upset children or this this is bad for children to see. And I thought, you're not even showing breasts. You're not even showing nipples. Because usually, in my experience, nipples are the thing that really set everybody off, which is part of the reason why, in all these images, my arms are crossed over. So, you mm-hmm. know, okay, you don't have any nipples. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing that gets people all worked out, you know? Yeah. So it was like, there aren't even you know, but what, what is this about? This, this isn't about, you know, th- th- this is about, you don't want to have to like, look at an old, an old female body. You don't want, I mean, it just, you know, I just don't, I just don't think there would have been, you know, it, like a, a man with, with even, even a, like a man with, with scars, because I mean, there are men with, you know, we'll have various incendiary scars. I don't think they would even, there very, even would have been a question. It could have been an older man who had scars on his chest. This wouldn't have been offensive. No,
1: that's crazy. I, I wouldn't
0: even <laughs> it wouldn't have been. I mean, it wouldn't have been. Oh, this is going to upset children. Well, I, still, I don't think it would. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine a scenario where that would have happened. So I was, so I thought. And I mean, I, I do know from you know, with, with, with my mother's experience, I mean, she was actually, I mean, I realize now she was relatively young. I mean, she was in her sixties, which really isn't, you know, I'm only 55. So it's like, that's not that far off from where I am now. And I think, wow, you know, like, but it it was, you know, and I, and I don't know those parts of my parents' marriage and stuff, but I, it's, it's curious to recognize how you don't, you know, you're so removed from what your parents' lives are but you know, there's also just something about, I mean, like cancer in general. And I've, you know, I've heard things, especially, I mean, I think breast cancer in particular gets discussed. I didn't have breast cancer, but my mom did, obviously, you know, there is this thing where you become untouchable, Mm -hmm. I think. And, and that also can just happen with age. You become, you know, less and less whatever whatever it just becomes less and less touchable so i don't know that that was i have never talked to her about that i don't know whether that was an issue to her or upsetting to her and it's hard to know that she would talk to me about it or if she remembers at this point because she's losing her she's losing her memory at this point um but i i also think just as as i as i age and you go okay here here you are and then at what point do you not want to be touched or do you still want to be touched but aren't considered touchable. So I think I think having these blankets here, which on the one hand you kind of want to touch that blanket, but then there's another thing about what the image is, which is, you know, attraction repulsion possibly. Possibly. I don't I don't I don't know what everyone else's reaction to it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that's very interesting. Like I would never think that you Wouldn't be able to hang these up, or that it would be like not good for children to see, or anything. Yeah,
2: there
0: were there were some anyway. I think (laughs) a lot. I think there was a lot of other weird political stuff that we didn't. It was it was um I was there was another artist and I that were taking part in this, and it was the the irony was it was a show about breast cancer, but they didn't want any breast.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness!
0: So it was very like. Confusing. It's like, okay, did you see all these images ahead of time? And oh no, you didn't look at them. But now you're <laughs> going to no it was. It was really kind of a,
2: well, was a
0: very strange scenario. Yeah. So, so anyway, but it just brought up these other thoughts because it was like none <laughs> of this, and you're not. You weren't paying attention, and now you're going to be offended. But so,
1: a negative experience. But the the title now, I think it it impacts the work even more yeah so I I really
2: mm-hmm.
1: really awesome um so the photo got her back which you mentioned before it's the black and the white one mm-hmm. um which is really interesting because you you have like we talked about you have a lot of show a lot of photos on printed on fleece printed on cl- canvas um, plastered on drywall and there's only a few two I believe that are like traditional photographs mm-hmm. um so that one I feel like really stands out amongst the others. Um, you have one photo of you and your mom in white, um, and then the other in in kind of more black. Um, and it was taken a year apart. Uh, so what was the difference that happened in that year? And how did you try to show this in this photograph or these photographs?
0: So so the the one on the left is with, with the white background was taken at my mother's my mother's apartment and you know where, where she's her retirement community she's lived in for a long time and that was kind of a continuation of a every, every so often like I don't know every several I think I'm trying to think the last time i had done that every five or six years or something I would do some portraits of you know myself with my mother and that one I think I was I was trying trying to get more of her, you know, each each time I would try to get more of her skin, like <laughs> more of her skin. So that was like, it's like, okay, so we're going to, well, we'll do this together. And so you have the kind of the comparison. Okay, here's, here's me. And, here's, and I also did the same, at the same time, I also did photographs of my mother and her sister and her sister's about, you know, about 14 years younger than her. No, no, excuse me. No, no, her, her sister's about, 12 years younger than her but 14 years older than me or something like that so Mm -hmm. and they have um I mean they're they're obviously very far apart in age but they have their faces are very similar so that people when my aunt moved to to the town my mom has lived in for like the last 50 years um when she moved there even though she's much my aunt is very much thinner and stuff like that but she's there was strong enough resemblance that people would Call them each. Other. <laughs> they don't, I mean, in their actual physical form at this point, my mother's much heavier and everything, but people would still call her Janice or Kim. I mean, they would confuse them all the time. So I also had them next to each other just to see the difference because my aunt is also like a, a yoga fiend, you know, so she's and doesn't believe in eating fat or anything. So she's just extreme, extremely lean and, you know,
2: whatever.
0: So I had done with the two of them and also, you know, me and my mother. So, you know, little, little did I know, you know, little did I know that a a year later I will, I would have, you know, just finished, just finished chemo, and no longer have any hair on my body and, um, you know, just, you know, didn't just so much had changed. And, um, or so much had changed at least physically for me. The, the funny thing was somebody made a comment when they first noticed it, that my hair mother, the first thing they noticed it was my mother's hair was much longer in the second. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs>
0: like oh, No, but that wasn't the only difference. So, so part of that was, was to see the difference. I mean, I could see differences. I mean, other than the baldness, I could also just see slight differences in my body. Like, I think I was a little, you know, I after, after chemo, I think I was a little thinner. I didn't have, you know, like just, I don't think my mom's back in and of itself was necessarily that much different. Her hair was somewhat different because she'd been staying here and didn't get it, wasn't getting her hair done. But, but I think also just having the, the opposition of the, you know, light and then the dark, it wasn't actually a black wall, but it didn't matter. I mean, it's still just tonally. It reads, it reads light and dark. Um. So visual, so there were, there were several of those where I just had, you know, us looking at, you know, us looking, so there were some of us actually looking at each other, you know, just to the side, or there was the front. And so I just, I played with organizing, you know, with, with the different ones that there were just to see how the difference in facial expressions or body postures and stuff. But that dichotomy appealed to me.
1: Yeah. 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 beautiful piece and like i said it's it's different from the rest and so it it stands out
0: it's not doc it's not doctored in any way it's not
1: yeah it's very raw yeah absolutely um another piece i was curious about was um the one i don't know what to do with myself which is the only one without a human subject even though it is like a side portrait Mm -hmm. um can you speak a little bit about that piece and its title, and then also working with found material like the bike tires that it is created and the wire that it's created out of?
0: Well, when uh, once I was, you know, once I found out I had cancer, and then I went, then I had surgery, and then after the surgery, I had the chemotherapy. So once I started the chemotherapy, um, I really wasn't. I mean, I still. I had a studio, but I really didn't go to it because I just didn't have the energy or anything. So, uh, a woman who I had met recently, not long before that, actually works with a lot. I mean, works works with a lot of found materials, and so I was. I think I think there there was a collaborative show at Oak Park. I believe it was going to be at Oak Park Art League, which is obviously in Oak Park, which is much closer to where I live, and. We were trying to work out some kind of a collaborative piece. So she, because basically all what I could do was hang out on my couch, <laughs> and I didn't want anything messy, you know, like paint or something. So she actually brought over a bunch of these bike tubes,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so I was trying to trying to think about what I could do with those. And I had, because my mom and my sister would sometimes come visit, and I I actually did the the profile using a coat hanger, and I was kind of basing it around my, around their profiles or trying to base it on their profiles. So I would, it was much harder to Mm bend hanger than you would think it would be, but, um, so it was, it was, it was a way for me to actually still be trying to create something while I was at home because I couldn't, I couldn't really go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, my mom would dry, I could my mom would lose my driver, and I would, as long as I told her where to go, she would drive, but I just didn't have the energy to do anything else. So, I, not knowing what to do with myself, I think at that point, I think I had already started to lose my hair, or maybe had lost, or had, I mean, at one point we just shaved it off because it was so thin. I can't remember if it was actually all gone yet or if it was getting there. But yeah, kind of not knowing, I mean, the, that was. what what do what do I do with myself when I can't do very much but it's the the funny thing about that one and there was another piece that it's that's not in this show which was again I used I was using wire I did these profiles and I used other materials like I had some the same woman who brought me the um, bike tires brought me some goat skin because she was doing she did after school programs and it was like a thing where they would create ceramic um, drums. So basically the base would be ceramic and then they would stretch goat skin to make a little drum. So she had excess pieces of that. And so I used those things to make faces and some canvas and stuff like that. So those, but those are things I could do at home. They had to do with sewing or just, you know, something I could do that wasn't messy. But the thing about those two pieces were that they had, I mean, if if you were to look at some kind of, some Indian art, like American Indian art, I mean, there there were certain things that you could, some visual references, not not that that was my intention, but that's what they started to look at. Because one of the other things I did was take all my um, wristbands, medical wristbands, because every time you go to a doctor, especially with that, you have a wristband. So I had actually strung those along like a mohawk Mm -hmm. (laughs) along the head of another, of another profile, which is, you know, in a similar manner to what the, to the, to the, the rubber, but it was, so it was kind of, so, you know, all these all these dates and all these times, all this, you know, indication of the thing, but I still like that piece, but I think it, it was something that really required a particular context because I could see how it could go a little wrong if you were in the wrong context or be, interpreted oddly or not, not at all the way I intended. But yeah, I think I don't know what to do with myself was kind of just descriptive of what <laughs> don't know what to think. You know, I, I have to go, I'm going through this process. I didn't feel like my cancer was a death sentence. I think there's people who, you know, they're diagnosed with stage four of something and then they're really just but I never really had the impression that this was going to be the end, really. I mean, because the oncologist, my oncologist was very much, well, we can cure this. This is curable, which I believed and I thought I would think that a doctor wouldn't say if they didn't think it was true.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and
0: it seemed to be true since I've, I've not had any remissions or anything. And
1: so it was
0: exactly. like, what do I do with myself in this time period? Yes. Yeah, what do I do with myself in this time period yeah. while I'm, you know, going through this because I just have to go through this. And I don't, I mean, there's, there's, people will use the analogy of like war with, with, with disease or cancer or anything. And I, and I think that's a very, that doesn't make any sense that, that, that metaphor or whatever you went, it makes no sense to me because you're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> you are you were submitting to what's being done to you. That's, you know, the, only, the decision was, and it didn't even feel like a decision. I mean, I don't think there was, it didn't seem like, Oh, I wouldn't do this. I mean, mm-hmm. perhaps if I'd been much, much further along in an illness and it was like, Oh, I'm just going to feel worse and I'm going to die anyway. I wouldn't have, but, it just didn't seem like, it's like, okay, well, this is, this is what I have to go through. Yeah. So I'm submitting to, I'm submitting to this, not, so the war analogy never made any sense to me.
1: Oh, but that's interesting that this kind of different media of using bike tires and wires kind of came out of this period in your life where you just didn't really know what to do. So it it's very interesting to see that product of, of this kind of waiting period. hmm Yeah. Um, another question I had for you was, and we kind of already touched on the topic that these are big pieces. Um, uh, so, and they really fill up the space really nicely. Um, so kind of, what do you want the viewer to kind of feel going through this, this space with these, these ginormous kind of pieces?
2: Hmm.
0: It's hard. It's hard to think about what I would expect someone else to feel. Um, yeah. I I would. I would like. I would like the visual impact to, to be. An emotional impact, also. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, kind of a kind of a recognition of how. How, when your body doesn't do what you want it to do, how that really impacts you in a lot of ways. Or when you are or, or going, going through, how going through an illness impacts is, is very impactful. But, you know, you, you go, you go through it. I mean, I I guess over the years I've seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of different work. I've seen, you know, photographs from people in hospice, you know, or portraits of, you know, people who are dying. And then certainly many other images of related to breast cancer or various kinds of cancer. And I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot out there with that, but I don't think it's I don't think there's such thing as too much of it. I think I think there's some kind of simple there's some some things that are fairly simple as is sometimes as effective as anything else. But I, I do I do feel like there's there's a there's a huge difference between Having those images on the blankets with with that texture, as opposed to because I I actually had somebody because I posted some of the pictures on Facebook and somebody was asking me, where did you get those prints made? And I realized he didn't necessarily because he's looking at Facebook and he's looking at this. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, the thing is, those are actually aren't those aren't technically print. I mean, they are printed, but they're printed on a blanket. They're not printed on you know archival photo paper. They're not huge pristine print. I mean, they're, you know, they're not. So I I do think there's a huge difference between, or I like to, I mean, I do think going into that space is very different than actually even seeing a photograph of any of those blankets. I don't think it's the same experience. I guess I I have found that, I mean, I, I have also heard, you know, you hear artists say, oh, my work doesn't photograph well. Well, Sometimes that's true. Sometimes yeah. people just don't know how to use their cameras, for, you know, <laughs> sort of, You know, don't have a good, don't have good documentation, but I think there are sometimes works that really, you kind of need the physical presence.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think I do feel like this is the show that the, I mean, like, cause usually I, I post pictures of my shows, but I haven't really quite done it with this, because I just feel like I'm not sure that this really shows you what it is i still probably I, I think i'll probably still end up posting it because that's the closest thing you get but um yeah i guess i guess this i guess it's hard for me to um this is kind of a tangent i understand but it, it's it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around like you know the nfts or, or these these things that are completely Digital. The thing, the things, really. Only. I mean, and unfortunately, I think a lot of art, I mean most people's experience with art, really ex, exists, maybe even only in a in a digital format, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is problematic at best. But I mean, there are there are works that work that way. But I don't feel like work that I do really does.
1: No, and I think that the impact would be kind of lost if it only was. Yeah. yeah. yeah Yeah, you wouldn't have the same experience seeing these works and like we discussed the texture and the size and everything you just you can't get it digitally
2: Mm -hmm. so that's
0: that's (laughs) like but i'm but i'm also recalling being at a some kind of a conference if you it was some kind of symposium several years ago and it was uh it was an organization for artists over fifty, and I'm over fifty. You no, know, I was I was certainly over fifty at the time, and it was but it was a younger woman who was saying, you, "You know, you don't exist." And I and I think to some extent she's correct. I mean, it's like you don't you don't exist if you're not on the internet. It's, it's kind of like you know saying to artists, it's like, well, you don't you know you don't really exist if you're not if you're not, if you're not on social media. It's like, which. I, you know, which I think in some senses is, is kind of true, mm-hmm. but how, what, you know, how it is you're, you're wanting to exist, but what, what is it that's existing? I don't know. If you kind don't of, that, what do you do? But anyway, that's-
1: Kind of reminds me of like the older artists that they only really got traction after they passed. Like we have the sense of leaving like a digital yeah. presence, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. hmm Um, So those are all my questions for you, Sarah. Is there any other last comments you would like to make or anything? I don't think so. All right. Thank you again so much, Sarah, for um, interviewing with us today. You you can check out her show um, here till the end of November uh, here at Side Street Studio Arts up in our theater space. Um, you can also check out more of Sarah's work at the studio, Slacks Window Gallery in Glenstone Park, Chicago, um, also on their Facebook page as well, if you want to see more of her wonderful art and her works with flags that she's currently doing now. Um, but other than that, thank you again so much for the interview, Sarah. And this is Alex Sharp. And thank you for listening to another episode of Connected. Connected is a Side Street
0: Studio Arts production. Music by Tanner Nolan. Produced by
1: Nick Mataragas. To find out more about Connected and all the great things Side Street Studio Arts offers, please visit sidestreetstudioarts.org.